Latvia Weekly Interviews with Joe Horgan and Otto Tobins. And welcome to another very special episode of Latvia Weekly. I am Joe Horgan and I am continuing our interview series today. When we started this interview series, the idea was to talk with people who aren't necessarily famous, not necessarily the kind of people you see in, you know, Cassiones or the tabloids, but people who are doing some very significant and serious work kind of all throughout Latvia and, and very, very interesting people. And I think that there's really no better way to kind of kick off the series or continue it than with the person sitting next to me who is Uldis Dumich. And he is the head, well, he's many different things, but I guess his, uh, I guess you'd probably say your primary title would be the head of the uh, Zemgale NGO Center. So Uldis, the first question, which I think most people listening would want to ask right now is, what exactly is an NGO center? What is, what is this thing? It sounds kind of like one of these, you know, organizations that, uh, you know, you walk past and you have no idea what it does. So so what exactly do you do and, and, and why do we need one? Why, why is it important? So hello, everyone. Yeah, an NGO center. First, I think we need to clarify what's an NGO. An NGO stands for non-governmental organization or it's uh, known also for non-profit organizations. And uh, Zemgal NGO Center is an umbrella organization or a resource center for NGOs in Zemgal region. We have around 2,000, but actually in our network we have 500 organizations. And there are different kinds of organizations, sports, youth, education, social NGOs, uh, minorities, national minorities, all kind of health organizations and, and similar. So everything that you could put under non-profit, including sports and education, are NGOs. And um, also we provide a lot of education for people who want to study, for example, languages. We are working also with international programs offering adults to get international experience in their field where they work. Also, it is a non-formal education program, Erasmus Plus, for youngsters from 18 to 30 years of age by taking part in uh, youth exchanges, European voluntary work, and we have a lot of experience uh, sending people abroad, not only to Europe, but also to Latin America, Middle East, uh, also to Russia, part of Kamchatka Peninsula, also neighboring countries of EU like uh, Ukraine, Belarus. Also, we've been working with Georgia, Armenia, and and, and many more. So uh, we are an opportunity organization. If somebody would like to have some uh, work experience abroad, especially young people, they can easily contact us and, and we are helping to develop new projects, new ideas to um, get the funding for them. For example, we had situations when we had um, a girl from another region. She came and she said she would like to work in Nicaragua with social projects where women is involved. And uh, we, uh, together we found a project and we wrote a project uh, for one year uh, voluntary work in Nicaragua. Actually, she stayed there because it was so interesting and she is now working in there full time. Also, we are using Erasmus Plus program a lot, also strategic partnerships. And, and, and so if somebody has some ideas for public benef- beneficiary ideas, I, I guess, uh, then uh, we are here to, here to help. 
Now, sounds like you do a whole lot then. Um, now, going back specifically to NGOs, though, for a second. So you mentioned that you kind of serve as a resource center for NGOs and that you, you help them out in certain ways. So I think probably quite a few of our listeners have had some kind of involvement with NGOs. Maybe they have volunteered in them. Maybe they've even worked in them. Uh, maybe they're here in Latvia right now uh, working one or volunteering in one. Or um, you know, maybe they've at least donated to different nonprofits, like you said, or, or NGOs. So what, what specifically do you do to help out um, the NGOs here in Zemgale, which is, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Latvia's regions, that's kind of the, the southern quarter of Latvia. So, so, so what, what exactly uh, concretely do you do to help out other NGOs? I think the first and, and most important one is uh, we are giving consultations. For example, people want to establish a new organization. They want to help somebody or they want to help their relatives or they, they see that there is a necessity of some kind of activity, maybe to save the environment or, or similar. So we are, we are giving consultations how to establish a new NGO. Uh, in Latvia, it's Biedribes and Nodebenaim or Associations and Foundations. Uh, it is actually quite easy to establish, but still, you need to get some knowledge how to do it. You need to have some sample documents to fill out. Um, also, we are consulting on fundraising or how to make a fundraising plan um, because it's not always uh, organizations do things voluntarily. Um, we see that there is a lot of professional aims for people that they want to reach and sometimes you need to get some EU funding to do it. Do it. Also, another thing is that uh, in Latvia there are 23,000 NGOs, which is a big number, which is around 100 people we have one NGO, which kind of shows a big uh, democracy activities or... I don't know, um, that would be a, a huge civic society. But in, in real life it isn't because it's, it's a big number, but not so many people involved. There are two, three people NGOs, which is not a lot. So, um, But anyway, the sector is quite huge for, for uh, small Latvia, for two million people. Um, and we are also protecting interests of the NGO sector by taking part in different kind of commissions on the local level, in a local authority. Then we have planning region, uh, Zemgala region, and also in uh, different ministries. At national level, we are protecting interests of NGO. What does it mean? It means that uh, we take part in the bigger associations to make sure that it's easy to establish an NGO in Latvia, it's easy to run an NGO, it's easy to get funding for good ideas, for best ideas get, get supported, and also to make legislation favorable for NGOs or for people who want to step into the non-profit and they want to make new things. So this is what we do, and also there are many more uh, when we talk about EU projects. See, the way you talk, you make it sound like it's just so easy to, to, to set up an NGO or to, to run an NGO. Um, now, f what kind of challenges do NGOs face in, in Latvia? Because it sounds like we have so many of them. Um, but but there, there there have to be certain challenges because you know well first of all Latvia is you know not Switzerland we we don't have uh, the resources of, of of other countries certainly but but besides besides funding what what are some of the biggest challenges for for NGOs here? 
I guess the first challenge is to get the capacity of the organizations. We have a lot of really good organizations, anti-corruption, uh, transparency, social NGOs, NGOs who are helping to make a better environment for people in wheelchairs, for example. Um, we need to get the capacity of NGOs better. We need bigger understanding from the people in Latvia, how does NGO works and, and uh, you know, when it comes to donation, philanthropy, um, people usually see the the brightest NGOs or brightest samples where, where to donate. But actually, there there is many more. Um, I think um, we need to take care of the democracy in Latvia. And NGOs are, are a big help for that. But still, um, I think there is a, the biggest challenge, I think, um, if you ask me, I think it's the mindset of people because people... Mm, you know, I like, I like the saying that uh, people should realize that they are responsible for the things that is happening around. And usually it starts with taking part in elections. But then um, it's not only elections, because I go to the elections, I, I vote, and then uh, for four years I'm, I'm silent. It shouldn't be like that. Actually, NGOs is a big help, because if I would go to the city council as all this, and I would ask, I need to you to fix this street. Well, it's one person out of, how, how much do we have? 55,000 in Yelgava. Uh, but if I go as a representative of the organization that is uniting around 200 or 400 people, that's another another voice. Um, and, and that voice should be heard louder. Also, people have to change their mindset to the fact that they are the actual owners of the city, of this region, of Latvia in general. This is uh, what people have to understand and, and we can build this society better when people are actually taking a bigger part as a part of activity. Um, it can be also done by joining, joining NGOs because there are a lot of environmental organizations and according to the interests, there is a lot, a lot to choose from actually. So in terms of people taking charge of society, like you said, do you think that that's something that's starting to change? Because, you know, for example, just in the last election, the um, second most vote getting, I guess that's not a very scientific term, but the second most vote getting party throughout the country was one called Who Owns the State, which we, we won't get into the politics of them right now. But that was that was their name and that was their their main message. Do you think that something is changing either with the new generation or with the time that's passed since the reestablishment of independence? Uh, do, do, do you think that people are waking up to this or is this just, um, I don't know, is, is this just kind of like a passing cycle right now, do you think? I think that's a good question to ask and they were in the right moment to start using it. We've been asking this question all the time and we, we, usually, we usually try to stick to this question when we go to the local authority and, and we are in a commission and we, we've been doing it for 20 years. But uh, that is a good movement that, that they started, that people start to realize that they are actually the owners of this, of this country. Um, and, uh, and we are yeah, deciding the future. But um, I would say the democracy in Latvia and this understanding is developing. Uh, the biggest development we can see in the voluntary sector, because people are, are doing more and more voluntary work. A lot of people are full-time employees in some companies or state state servants, civil servants. And in their free time, they are doing more and more voluntary work. 
this is very good but we also have to be more active mm, by supervising politicians by supervising their actions their expenditure because we have to remember if we pay taxes we have uh, even if we don't if we if, if we live in latvia um we have all the rights to to supervise the politicians to ask them questions we don't have to be shy about asking how much money did your what did your car cost for your work yeah if if your city mayor is uh, is driving around with the uh, latest uh, uh, limousine then then you should ask uh, uh, are all the roads fixed right or all, all the social social things are, is it is it is it is it done yeah so um and this is what happening in latvia because people people are just uh, um relying on the politicians or relying on the party that they have voted but they have never thought of uh, supervising them or or asking for transparency yeah how the budget is spent so and and these kind of things are evolving pretty uh, fast and we can see that in riga there are very, a lot of movements in different districts and i think it's just a question of time when it will come to yalgov and other regional cities but in riga the pressure from the society is getting really big and we can see also that the state institutions cannot stay silent no longer they have to start uh, doing what society is demanding and 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 this is a future i think of 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 this situation but we are getting there we are getting there and i think it's going to be faster and faster and politicians will have to get involved in um in negotiation with society more and more. Now, going to Riga for just a second, um, we've been covering on this podcast quite closely the developments since really since December or so. Um, now, when you read the headlines and, and when you hear a lot of the discussion, you hear so much about different government organizations or watchdog organizations that are basically governmental institutions. How much of this kind of anti-corruption activity has been, from from your perspective, on the part of of NGOs? How, what what has been the role of NGOs? Do you think in this in this process um, has it been bigger? Do you think than people might realize? Well, NGOs have been always there, and uh, currently movements like Pilsat uh, or City for People, uh, I think they've been uh, they've been doing great jobs since they've been established, and and. And uh, also we can see that there um, are activists in Riga who were against the new tram line, uh, for example, and uh, they were the ones actually who initiated the, the, um, the procedures that are going on now, uh, the criminal actions and everything. So um, it is a lot done by society. Uh, I think... I think 50-50, 50% from the NGO side and from the society and 50 from the institutions. Because that, like I said, that, that was a big demand from the society and coming from NGOs. Now, a lot of these NGOs have significant amounts of funding from the government or from you know either the EU or, or national government or local governments. Does that create problems in terms of NGOs being a kind of a watchdog for for politicians and for for political activity does that do you think that creates a special challenge and is there some way around that well there is different different levels of funding there is a local funding there is a corporate funding there is a regional funding national and international funding 
Um, when we are a local NGO and we are asking for the local authority for funding and we want to supervise them, we want to make them transparent, then we have a problem because we are asking the money from the people that we are going to um, make visible for, for, for public. Uh, we want to see how they do their how they do their job. That is why there is special funding programs for organizations being active in civil society, like and National NGO Fund, that is running already for the fourth year, and the funding is not big. It's uh, seven hundred thousand already. This is a this year this year's news. It started with uh, four hundred five hundred thousand euros. It's half a million. So um, it's not big, but it's possible to get funding if the idea is really good. It's well thought, it's well planned, and there is a reasonable budget for that. Uh, so there are funding opportunities, and there are funding independent funding opportunities. But then um, even if the national funding is not appropriate, we can even look for the European funding. There is programs like Europe for Citizens, it's not only for the history, it's also for real actions and sometimes even protests for things that, that organizations are, are doing. And um, there is many more, actually. We, we, are, we are living in a very good times when we have a lot of opportunities. Now, I want to go back just a little bit because uh, you just mentioned Europe a second ago, but also you mentioned uh, the elections a little while ago, the European elections, which uh, for people listening right now, they will have probably just happened by the time that people are listening to uh, this recording and when we release it. So, of course, with so much of you know, NGOs funding coming from, from Europe and, and even you know the government organizations funding coming from Europe, uh, I'm, I'm sure that you've been closely following the election and not just here, but also throughout Latvia and, and the uh, kind of um, forecasted changes that might happen. How much an effect could the election really have on, on NGOs you know here, here in Latvia and also throughout throughout Europe? I will be realistic. Um, I don't think anything much will change for NGOs or, or for active active people, active citizens. Um, European Parliament is an institution that is uh, not affecting the, the everyday life. Of course, it, it has influence on the budget, it has influence on the programs, it has influence on, on the division of the resources and, and the activities also. It has influence on the directives how they are made and 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 who is responsible for what but i wouldn't put too much for these elections of course as an ngos i would only uh, invite people in ngos to make their members active to go to vote uh, because as, as i said this is a minimal this is a first step towards active citizenship you know it's the first step towards democracy that we go there we show our opinion we are electing people that we want to be there and those people will represent latvia those people will fight for the interests of our farmers they they will fight for the interests of of everybody in latvia because you know that that uh, european directives are higher in a hierarchy than latvian laws and our Elects can actually influence uh, the process of, of, of uh, decision making in Europe. But then we, we really have to choose who will go to Europe, who will go, go there to, for work. 
and and will represent Latvia. So, um, on one hand, there is no big influence, but on the other hand, there can be a big influence. Now, I want to talk about you a little bit for a second. So, how exactly does the career path of the head of a NGO center work? Because, um, you know, did do you, for example, always know that you wanted to be in the NGO sector? Or was this kind of a, I don't know, a little bit of a surprise detour? How, how, how exactly did that happen? How, how did you get here? Okay, I, I actually started uh, straight after school, um, after secondary school. Uh, there was an uh, advertising that NGO Center is looking for the interns in the organization to go through the big uh, training program. Also, it was human human rights based. Also, NGOs and 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 uh, nonprofit in general. So I thought during the school time I was um, singing in the choir and and playing clarinet in in orchestra and and being active in uh, pupils parliament and and so on. I decided why not to take another activity. So I started as an intern and I didn't know what are, what are NGOs and what do they do. And then I realized that it's quite interesting sector. And uh, for me, it was important as a, as a youngster at that time that it's not based on money making or, or on a business, but it's actually um, NGOs work with uh, very nice aims. Uh, as I say, uh, saving the world. Yeah, every NGO wants to save the world in some specific uh, uh, activity. But but then um, then I started to work. But NGO Center was not my only uh, places where I was employed. I also have some experience in 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 public sector, also in business. But I always returned to NGO Center. There were there were some times when I was working full time in 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 as a civil servant. In Ministry of Finance, and but I was still also in the evenings coming back to the organization doing doing some projects, and we were we had some meetings, and so um, I, I I did my experience everywhere, but I stayed loyal to this organization. So now I'm also involved not only in here, I'm I'm involved in many um, Latvian uh, national level umbrellas where I'm also in different kind of board of members and and it, it I think it's it that is based on a career uh, that um, we not only get elected in some organizations but also have some um, some 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 goals and and we are trying to reach them and and uh, with a good experience from Zemgala region so um but currently we are also with uh, with people who want to work in Zemgala NGO center we are usually start, starting with internships and usually, of course, uh, there are, most of them are students. The existing employees that we have currently, uh, most of them are ex-internships. Uh, so during the university, um, during the study times, they, 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 they started here. And then, um, yeah, so, so totally we had some 30, uh, 30 employees in, in historically. So if somebody out there is listening and thinking, hmm, maybe I want to become an intern at either this NGO center or other ones, because cause other regions also have their own NGO centers, if I'm correct, right? Yes, all the regions have NGO centers. And, and uh, also, 
Mm, I forgot to add that in the beginning you asked what kind of support uh, or, or what kind of services people can get. Um, I forgot to tell that uh, NGO centers are also the ones who have funding for other NGOs. It's not only about the consulting and, and, and uh, advising um, how to become more active, how to protect interests of your, of your people, but it's possible to get also funding for your NGOs. But speaking about people, yes, people are in very welcome if they want to gain some, some experience, project management, NGO sector, or specific some field then we are very open to cooperate. It can it can also be n not only local level, it can be international. Mm -hmm. Like I said, we have some people who are, who are coming for consultation and they are saying, I want to work in, I don't know, Mexico. Yeah. And then we can offer, offer some, some interesting um, programs. Now, Uldis, if I remember correctly, you have also been involved in hot air ballooning. Is that correct? Yeah, true. <laughs> so, so how how exactly did that happen? So, um, because that that's also one of the many many interesting things about you. How how did you get involved in in the hot air balloon uh, kind of scene? Actually, it was uh, um, those people, friends of friends, knew them, and and they invited me to as. I had experience in project management and and hot air balloon festivals are actually projects and uh, hot air ballooning club uh, 99 air balloons uh, hot air balloons like from the German song it's really 99 yeah it's uh, the name of the club yeah it's um, uh, 99 hot air balloons yeah and 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 that's also an NGO uh, in Latvia sports organizations are, are, are NGOs actually yeah, and, and I was organizing hot air balloon festivals for more than 10 years. Um, it was kind of summer hobby to, to organize big scale events. Currently, we are not organize, organizing any, but we are planning to restart next year as Latvia's situation is getting better and, and there might be some sponsorships also available. So we will, we will try to make another event yeah, next year. So for our listeners out there who have always wanted to be on a hot air balloon ride, uh, we will keep you posted about that. Uh, so aside from hot air balloons, what are some of the more interesting NGOs that you've come into contact with here in Latvia that maybe people might not know exist, but are doing some some very kind of interesting work? Well, like I said, there are 23,000 NGOs, and usually we see the most popular ones. For example, Dalna, Providus. Um, or papardziets in schools, for example, uh, sexual education, uh, or organizations like Marta. But there are national uh, organizations. But but uh, like I said, there are twenty three thousand. So there is a lot to choose on from. But um, I represent Zemgala region, so um, we have a lot of interesting NGOs. Especially, we have a lot of rural NGOs, organizations that have decided to work in the very rural areas. Also, there is uh, interesting organizations. They are uh, renovating manors of Zemgala region. So they are actually working hard to make piece by piece to renovate manors as they were historically. And I think at one point we will get to the situation where we will have a lot of treasures to visit mm -hmm. in Zemgala because currently they are being remade uh, according to how they looked like in um, history. Then there are organization association, um, they're working more with the charities. Uh, it's association Tuvu. 
they have charity shop where you can actually donate things that you don't need and somebody will get them who some families who who, who might be in, in in need and they are also um, uh, collecting donations to renovate uh, some houses or some apartments where where families are based and and if they don't have uh, enough money so uh, association Tuvu is helping their their shops are located in in Yalgava and in Ozolniaki um, I would advise to to visit them or uh, maybe on on internet biedribatuvu.lv and uh, yeah there are many more there are organi- sports organizations who are doing also some social thing for example we have uh, sports uh, box association uh, juniors um, and they are also um, uh, receiving donations to have boxing equipment to provide for people who cannot afford it just to make sports more more available because we know that sport is never uh, like uh, infrastructure of sport is never enough and and organizations are doing a lot in this field so i don't know i could i could tell a lot because there are really nice use ngos there are even ngos who are um promoting children language knowledge and organizing summer camps and there is a lot of uh, organizations for support for disabled people um yeah but um anyway I would advise if you would like to see the list of NGOs, you can you can visit nvo.lv, which is uh, our umbrella organization, Latvian, Latvian Civic Alliance. Uh, there is a list of NGOs, or at least contact with the regional NGO centers, and you can always call the regional NGO center. For example, Kurzem NGO center, Zemgale, Latgale, uh, Vidzeme. In Vidzeme, we have um, in Valmiera, and and in Riga region, we have Latvian and Civic Alliance. Uh, so you can easily Google and and you will find it. And if you want to have want to find some specific NGO or you want to become a volunteer, you can always contact these centers and they will they will help you. So to kind of start to wrap up a little bit, you you mentioned a little bit earlier that uh, one of the things that the NV, uh, the NGO center here or NVO, because actually uh, for those of you who don't know Latvian so well, um, the the translation of NGO is NVO because uh, the word for you know, government or state is is vast um, in, in in Latvian or country or state, I should say. Now, um, you, you mentioned that one of the functions of the NGO center is to help um, advocate for policy changes that are fa- uh, favorable for for NGOs. So, what kind of policy, if you I don't know, if you got elected, for example, to the city council or to European Parliament or national parliament? What would be some of the policy changes that you'd want to see enacted to to help the NGO sector here in Latvia? I would definitely involve more society. And like I said, it can be done easily. It can be an open call for organizations who want to join in uh, in a commission, a commission or war group. For example, if you are deciding how to spend the budget of the city, it's always good to involve people in in the decision-making process so the process gets transparent people start to trust you and that is how to make sustainable politics this is what I would do of course many politicians are doing it already but we see also very bad samples like Riga 
Uh, I must say also there are some cities in Yalgov and Kurzem and, and, and where we see the bad samples, how not to do. And currently, local authorities, a lot of local authorities have chosen to make their own newspapers, and, and, and which is a not right direction. If we talk about involving people, then this is a wrong direction and we go in a direction of propaganda. So uh, actually, we we have to get people involved. I know it costs a lot more. It's very detailed process of organizing these kind of uh, consultation with the society, but it it is a must. I would do it. That that would be the first thing I would do. Now, for for those of you who are maybe listening from from Riga, uh, because you don't really have something like this, as far as I remember, back when I lived in Riga. But here in Yelgova, we get this newspaper once a week. Everybody gets in their mailboxes, and you know any doctor's office you go to or whatever has a has a stack of them, and it's this uh, newspaper that's put out by, like Wilda said, the government every week. And uh, throughout my travels in Latvia, it seems like ma- many of these cities have these. Would you go as far as outlawing this? Would you go as far as saying that um, this isn't something that the the government should fund? Or would you maybe change the law so that there is funding for this kind of newspaper, but it's an NGO, for example, or, or it's um, some kind of... Well, yeah, I, I guess it would be some kind of NGO. Um, if if I would be elected, my first decision would be close down this kind of newspaper because <laughs> because this is not what democracy looks like. This is a absolutely propaganda, and if we analyze, I think it's very interesting material to analyze for students who are studying journalism or or similar. Just to analyze the content of these newspapers, and we can see that it's a lot of advertising, politicians, how they do good works. It's never critics. It's never analytics. It's uh, it's always good words. It's always opening. It's always good news. You know, I'd love to live in a society with no problems, but it's really a lot of lying uh, about the real situation. I think that uh, mass media should belong where it should belong. It should be independent and it should be uh, also doing not only um, favor, but but also making critics about what is going on in a local authority. And this is what we are currently missing in Latvia, that law which would say that it's not allowed to do it. The independent media is, is the one we should support. So I would close down immediately these kind of newspapers. So uh, one very well-known NGO, I, I think they count as an NGO technically, is um, the, the Baltic Center for Investigative Journalism, or as uh, is more commonly known, Ray Baltica. Now, they had a big effect, actually, in not only the election, but also in this, um, you know, uh, kind of Riga scandal, which has been ongoing. They, you know, reported on this quite a while ago. Um, also, you know, so, some other uh, private media uh, outlets did as well, for example, Ear Magazine and, and, and others. Um, and Ray Baltica actually came under attack from from some of the political parties that were running in, in, in the election. Do you think that there's a need for more um, journalism outlets like Ray Baltica? And do you think that it's possible to have more local outlets like this? Do you think that there is, like, first of all, a market? And, and is there also some kind of sustainable funding to have you know, local versions of something like Ray Baltica? Absolutely, yes. I think Rebaltic is doing a great, great work. And usually these kind of, like I say, these large-scale organizations, they're working at national level and in Riga. We are really missing initiatives at the local level. 
but I would say that if Robotica would make regional branches, I would be happy to to have some in Zemgala, some in Latgala, some in Vidzama, and and uh, so they could check the local situation because we have a lot of things to discover, if I might say so. Uh, so um, yeah, that that would be very much needed. And the last thing I want to. Um talk to you about real quick before we kind of close off uh, now now in terms of like you said locally uh, one of the big changes that's coming obviously to the regions of Latvia outside of Riga is this territorial reform which it looks like probably is going to have um, the the necessary political backing to pass or at least some some form of it where you know we could have the amount of uh, re, you know municipalities here in Latvia reduced to 35 now obviously there's pros and cons to this but in terms of NGOs in terms of strengthening NGOs, uh, funding NGOs, would you see this as more of a negative or, or a positive for the situation, both in terms of funding and also for the for the um, strength that uh, NGOs might have? We're a small country and uh, we have to be effective. And uh, I don't like to say that, but we should look in direction of north, in this case also to Estonia. Uh, they've done it. They made uh, this map with uh, local authorities uh, in numbers smaller. So uh, we should go that way. And people should always remember that no mayor wants to lose their job. And if we had uh, more than 100 local authorities, I'm sorry, but this is too much. This is too much. And people also have to understand that we should do it as soon as possible just to stop losing a lot of money because we have a lot of each local authority. They have their own administration and they have employees who are who are dedicated only for their administrative job. Each local authority has public relations sector and these kind of costs could be cut down because if the small, smaller authorities would, would uh, unite. And um, I think that I support the ministry of um, regional ministry for what they do. I think they have a lot of work to do, but the start is very good. But there will be a lot of conflicts and, you know, uh, I've been also in many, many interviews um, asked uh, what do I think about regional reforms and, and the questionnaires that local authorities make. I think that this process should be coordinated only by the ministry because local authority cannot ask ob objective questions to people. There will always be subjectivity. For example, uh, would you like to unite with a, another local authority, even though you know you will lose some services? Yeah, you know, if you define the question like this, there will always be no. You know, so um, it should be somebody with without conflict of interest. Yeah, in this case, uh, it can be ministry who can coordinate. But like I said, it's a big work to do, and it should be done in a high quality. Well, thank you, Uldis, for taking so much time with me today, and um, I, I wish you the best of luck uh, in, in, in the coming weeks. So uh, take care, Uldis. Thank you, and welcome to NGOs. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the Zemgali NVO Center, you can go to Z-E-M-G-A-L-E-I dot L-V. And if you like this episode, then please make sure to subscribe to however you're listening, and we'll be back in just a couple days with a normal weekly update episode, and... We'll also be back all summer with weekly interviews. Take care.